You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Call Waiting. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, sometimes I think we feel like we're talking to the brick wall, but I think sometimes God wonders whether he is the one that's talking to the brick wall and whether we actually hear him or not. We're going to do 1 Samuel chapter 3 and some other stuff to the right of that today. And I'd really encourage you to go back and read chapters 1 and 2, not during the service. If it gets boring or something, you can go do that. But read that sometime because it gives you some background because this lady named Hannah couldn't have kids and she prayed to God, if I have a son, I'll give you that son. And so this kid Samuel was basically turned over to Eli in the temple to serve God. And so literally when the kid was weaned, she took her son and delivered him to Eli who had a couple of you know idiot sons, Hophnius and Phinehas who were just sleeping with people who came to the temple and stealing their sacrifices. It was just a disaster. But Eli was trying somewhat to do the right thing and Hannah had delivered this boy over to be raised by Eli and to serve his life. So 1 Samuel chapter three, it says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and listened to this phrase. And I'm afraid that the day is coming when it could get this way for us. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days there was no widespread revelation. Now, let me tell you something. If it is your experience along the way that whether it's through a preacher, a teacher, something on the radio, TV, somewhere you read something, something happens to you and you actually say, I think God just spoke to me. You better pay attention because it gets fewer and far between. When you actually get a message from God, something that stirs your heart to live for him, to love him, to live a holy, pure life, and not just something to scratch your ears. There's plenty of long-nailed preachers out there that'll scratch away. But if you actually hear something from God, it is an astonishing thing. And in that day, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here am I. So this kid, however old he was at this point, he hears his name, Samuel, and he says out loud, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Here's his voice. Here's his name, runs, I'm here. And he said, I did not call you, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be, if he calls you, and my Bible says a capital H, he, 
that you must say, if you hear your name again, this is what you say, and I want everybody to pay attention to this, because this is what you say when he calls your name. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, some of where I'm going today is this, and you say, well, I came on the wrong day. This isn't for me. It's for everybody. I'm afraid that many of us in the course of our lives hear our name and we never respond. And I'm not just talking about being a Christian. I'm talking about after you become a Christian and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and all these things that come steal away the prize that God in a lot of cases and a lot of times in young people's lives and small children's lives, they hear that voice and they try to respond as best they know how. And then everybody says, oh no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You'd be great at this. If you ever hear a child say, I went to camp, I went to church, I was in Sunday school, I was somewhere, and I think God actually, I heard my name called. And this is where this phrase, people say, well, somebody said they're called to be a preacher, or called to be a missionary, or called to do whatever. It is God specifically touching your life. And whether you hear an audible voice or not, it is God, and let me tell you this from personal experience, when he shows up, it ain't nobody else. If you've ever been in a room and in a place when the living God is there with you, you will know it's him. And if you decide not to respond properly to that, you will run for your life, afraid that you will lose your life if you respond to it. But the book says it's in trying to keep hold of your life that you really end up losing it. And that's the disaster. Tells him what to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called at other times. And listen to this, it's twice, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, look what he answers though. Speak, for your servant hears. He can't get the Lord in there yet. The prophet said, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And what he could get out was speak, for your servant hears. I hear you. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And look at these next phrase, verse 19. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. You got any words falling to the ground? You speak and it goes nowhere, just falls and doesn't hit its target. Ever feel like God's not doing anything in your life, accomplishing anything? Ever ask the question, am I doing what he asked me to do? Every once in a while, I have conversations with grown men, some grown women, but tragically, a lot of times grown men. And when they get really comfortable and they get really vulnerable and get very honest, they say, when I was six, 
when I was 12, when I was 16, when I was 17, I think God put his hand on my life and I turned away. I ran away. And I've spent my whole life trying to escape it. Let me give you, you know, some bad news and some good news. The bad news is you can't do anything about the lost time. But the good news is if you are breathing, there is hope. And it is never too late to get a hold of that for which God has gotten a hold of you and to do it. You say, but what's it going to cost me? It's already cost you. Turn to Jonah chapter 1. So obviously Samuel hears that voice and responds, but not everybody does. And without trying to read this entire book of Jonah, I'm going to hit some highlights here and give you the thought processes behind some of us and what happens if you take off. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 1, a few verses there, then I'm going to jump through this, so you'll just have to go back and read this as well sometime. And by the way, we assume, oh, everybody knows the story of Jonah and the big fish and all that. You know what? Everybody doesn't know this. And if you think you know the story and you haven't read it for yourself, go read it, because you may not have a clue what really happened. You just may sit around arguing with people that a fish can't swallow someone. I had this in my notes from a message years ago. Some guy, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Williams Jennings Bryant said, if the Bible said that Jonah had swallowed a large fish, I'd believe that too, because the Bible says it. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, okay? A specific man, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, and these are the specific instructions. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Where's he going? To get away from God. You said it, I'm going the other direction. God called him specifically to go do something. And he said, no. You say, well, you're talking about big gun prophets in the Bible. I'm talking about every part of your life. If you decide to go to lunch and God says, go here, you say, I'm not hungry for that. You know what? Don't argue about your meal. Go where he tells you to go. If you will just give it up and let go of your life and lose this control freak tendency that we all have, you can't imagine how God could use you. Well, I don't want to go there. Grow up. Get over yourself. You say, well, I see God using all these other people. It never happens to me. Maybe because you won't respond and say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. You wake up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice, be glad in it. And on top of that, God, I'll go where you want to go. Do what you want to do. This is not my life. It is not my day. It's you. So what are we doing today? So he gets on a ship. You keep reading this story. They almost all die on the ship. People think, well, I can sin in a vacuum. I'm not hurting anybody else. We're all consenting adults. It is impossible to sin and it not affect somebody else. You cannot sin in a vacuum someplace. You say, but I've gone off to some deserted place in the woods and I'm all by myself. The way you're affecting society and culture and the church is that you are not where you're supposed to be. So the very person that you are and that God called you to be and the things he wanted you to do, you're like someone buying a thousand piece puzzle, working the whole stupid thing, getting down, there's a hole in the puzzle. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. You got 999 pieces and you're missing one and you can't finish the puzzle. And God's got these little straggler puzzle pieces all over the planet, hiding out. I'm not hurting anybody. So the guys, let's just jump down here, verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. 
Then they said to him, well, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Like, you're the problem. Our ship's about to go down because of you. Why did you get us in this mess? And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with the innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. What a horrible moment that must've been for Jonah. You talk about finding out you were the problem? And everybody on your ship tries to throw your you-know-what overboard. And then everything calms down. They go, well, obviously that was the problem. I know a lot of women wish they were on ships and can throw <laughs> some men overboard. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And you know what? You say, I don't believe that. You know what? Did he create the universe? If you say you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, billions of stars, all this stuff, and you can't get over a fish, what kind of faith is that? Just go with it. Big fish. Maybe he was little. <laughs> now, I think this would get my attention. I've seen enough Discovery Channel, National Geographic stuff about fish and what they find in them. I don't want three days in a fish. But somehow, if you read chapter two, he is praying in this fish. I think I'd be praying too. Verse five, weeds were wrapped around his head. And then here's a crazy thing. He says all that he's supposed to say. And then in verse 10, look at verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know what's so messed up about this story? The fish obey more than we do. God can speak to a fish and say, throw him up. But he speaks to us. We say, well, let me pray about that. You know, when God asks you to do something, you don't have to pray about it. What are you going to pray about? Well, I need to go ask God if it is his will for me to do his will. Do it. You say, well, I just need to think about it. Verse 3. And here's where there's a lot of mercy in the Bible. Verse three says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So God basically says, okay, you almost got a bunch of people killed. You've delayed the rescue of the city I sent you to, but let's try this again. And this is what he says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Finally, According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Just across it walking, it took three days. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, 
taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Who said that? The king said that. Jonah didn't say that. Jonah did what he was supposed to say. Everybody starts responding and repenting. It finally gets to the king, and now the guy who runs the whole place says, this is what we're doing. Because Jonah was willing to say what he said, then God turned the heart of the king, and now the whole city gets saved. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And then Jonah chapter four is the most bizarre thing you'll ever read. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. Now I have never found this until this week and maybe you've seen this and I'm just slow. Why did he get angry? It's the reason that he bolted in the first place and went and caught a ship to Tarshish. Look what it says. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. The reason I went to Tarshish in the first place is because for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I knew if I did what you told me to do, I'd go preach to those people and say what you said to say and they'd repent and you'd save them. And it's not right. It's not fair, God. I don't like it that that's who you are. This guy was so messed up. He was angry. He was so judgmental. He got crazy, ran the other direction because he didn't want to see mercy poured out on these people. When you and I disobey, people pay. When I disobey, my wife, my children, the church, everything about me, there is consequence. You say, yeah, but it's different for me. I don't have the responsibility you have. If you are breathing, you got responsibility. You say, well, I'm just a loser slug. My life's affecting nobody. It is affecting somebody. It's the missing piece somewhere. You say, but I'm not educated. I'm poor and I'm this and I'm that. You know what? Enough of all of our excuses. Just turn yourself in and see what God can do with you. Especially if you've ever had him put his hand on you and call you by name and say, I've got a job for you to do. And what we usually resort to is, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Let me tell you something. Everything you're not he is. Whatever you're missing, he can fill in the blanks. Paul, I'll just read you this. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 said this, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me. Now I'm going to tell you a story I don't tell very often because it's a very personal, very private thing for me. And some of you heard it before, you'll just have to put up with it. That day when I was 14 years of age, in that room, when God himself showed up and spoke to my heart, I was not chasing after God. I didn't even know how to live a Christian godly life. But God comes on his terms in his time and will touch your life. And I don't think you have to be young for it to happen. It can happen anytime. I ran from it probably for a little while and I look back on it now mostly because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know this God. And my job, my calling was to make him known and I didn't even know him myself. And so it took me a long time to get to where I felt comfortable enough with our relationship to then try to figure out a way to make him known to some other people. But woe is me. 
if I preach not the gospel. And it's interesting what the word woe means if you spell it differently. Woe is you if you don't do what God told you to do. You know why? Because you're stopped. You're dead in the water. Someone said woe, and God said, okay, woe will stop. And now it's call waiting, and God says, okay, how long is this going to take? How many ships are you going to catch? How hard are you going to run? And if you would just relent, if you would just let the circumstances that he's allowed, if you end up inside a fish even, if you say, okay, God, uncle, I'm done, try me again. Call my name again, God. Call my name again. Give me another shot. Don't let me be a castaway one more time. And then he calls your name for a second time or a third or a fourth or a fifth. And then you get on to doing and being what he wants you to do and be. I beg of you, I plead with you for Christ's sake, for your sake, for the world's sake, for his sake, everybody's sake. Whatever it is that God has gotten a hold of you for, yield. Say, yes, Lord, your servant hears. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to obey. I'll do whatever you say. I'll say whatever you say to say. I'm yours no matter what it costs, because what it's costing me so far is way too expensive. You got one life, and then he gives you another life, and that one belongs to him. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Let's pray. And our Father, I thank you for your unbelievable mercy and grace and willingness to forgive us and come time and time and time again. I know there are consequences. In one of these stories, Jonah almost got a shipload of people killed because of his disobedience, because of his irritation with you, that he knew who you were, that you were merciful. And that if he preached and went where you said to go, that he couldn't stand, that you would let these people off the hook, Lord. There are a lot of people that need to be let off the hook. And we who have been called by your name and called by name in some cases to do specific things, I pray that we would respond today and just get on with it for the sake of all those people that we are affecting or not affecting the way you intended. Father, I pray today especially for young children and teenagers, that as young Samuel heard his name called, that you'd do it again, God, that you'd call some names today, right now, so that the next generation would not be void of a word from the Lord and revelation that is desperately needed. And I thank you in advance, Lord, because I know you can do it, and I know you desire to do it, and I pray for these young people, or however old they may be, whoever they are, that those of us who hear it for the first time would respond and those who've heard it for the second time, Lord, would arise and go to wherever and do whatever it is that you've asked them to do. And Father, for people today who don't even know you and they know they don't, it's just a bunch of religious stuff, 
and their life sucks and they know it and they don't know what to do about it anymore, God. And they say, God, I get it now. I hear you calling me. I realize now that when Jesus died on that cross, he covered me too, that his blood was shed to forgive me, to give me a fresh start, like being born again. God, I can't take it anymore. You gotta help me. I've screwed my whole life up. And whatever's left of it, I'm gonna screw that up too, Lord, if you don't help me. So I yield, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I can't save myself. I can't fix it anymore. I ask you to come live in me and through me. I accept the forgiveness of my sins. I accept this gift of eternal life. Change me from the inside out. Help me get to know you so that I can make you known and learn to walk with you and obey you and trust you and live the life you intended. God, thank you for coming after me, for calling my name. Father, you're the best. Wow, there's nobody like you. You're not just an awesome God. You are the awesome God. There is none above you. And we cry out and long for the day when we can see you and cry out with those angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. May that be the case in our lives, in our church, in our families. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.